Hey everyone, great to have you for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Uh, just very excited again to be with you, opening scripture, bringing clarity to uncertain times. Thank God that God is not caught off guard. He knows the end from the beginning. This is why it's so great to be connected with him so we have wisdom and knowledge and that's our stability in our times. So great to be with you. I have a special guest today, uh, Pastor Bruce Wright. He's one of our pastors, head pastors in the Havid Grace area. He's an elder here at the church. And I, he's a personal friend. I call him the Grace Man. Uh, just has an amazing portion in Scripture. Also, he has, uh, you know, his digital footprint is the GG Chesapeake in Facebook. On Facebook, you can reach him through GG Chesapeake, as well as the Grace Cafe, hashtag Grace Cafe on Periscope. Uh, and I'm sure after you hear this broadcast today, you'll want to hear more of him. So, Pastor Bruce, it's so great to have you, sir, and excited. We've been talking about the end days. And uh, whatever's on your heart, we're just glad to have you. Well, Pastor Jason, thank you and for even inviting me and spending this time with you. And again, you know, we have some history. He um, is going to be teaching uh, both up in Delaware and also here at uh, Maryland Bible College and Seminary in this uh, great, uh, great season to get into the Word of God. And I hope that those of you that listen to uh, his portion and know his heart would be willing to want to jump into a live class and uh, participate in that because I know that you will be edified. Well, you know, Pastor, we're living in what could easily be construed as the last days. The characteristic of those days is becoming more and more clear. But I think that many times people, you know, as believers, we can either um, become fearful and faint or we can be sharpened and have faith related to these days because they are, uh, they, were, they were told us, they were defined to us by the word of God. And um, I wanted to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And verse 3, because there's something that's taking place, and it's very interesting how I used to think about this portion and what we kind of could see today as setting up the stages being set. And listen to what it says, Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means, wow. not by hook or crook and not by popularity, not by how, you know, uh, well-known the person is. He says, for that day shall not come. What day is he talking about? The Lord Jesus Christ is talking about a specific event in human history, all of human history, his second coming. Mm -hmm. And he says that uh, don't let any man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except... There, be, there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, and um, who opposeth, in verse 4, and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. And 
Of course, the man of sin, the Antichrist, we, you know, we're told very clearly in scriptures uh, how this individual will assume such a global influence. Okay, well, the stage is being set up, but I was I was moved by this um, this idea of the the coming the the falling away first. And I could think of that and say, well, that just maybe means that people will stop believing or people will, um, um, you know, not get saved. And, you know, hardness of heart. And, and that in, in measure will happen. That is happening today, you know, people's hardness of heart. But it's very interesting that I think what we see today, and that is that in the West in particular, and maybe in other parts of the world, where believers, if they're going to continue to go forward, they're going to have to, in a way, openly resist the, the narrative of the world. And I don't mean just, you know, social drinking or social mores or even morality. But the idea, as much as this pandemic has been international, the, the reality is that uh, the body of Christ internationally has to make a decision. And what is that decision? That we would not, Hebrews 10.25, forsake, leave off, left hanging in the lurch, our assembling of ourselves together. I don't mean that that just means Sunday services. It is, it is so much richer, more rich than that. It means that I, I realize the immediate necessity of being gathered and assembled together under the authority of the Word of God. And that doesn't necessarily mean a geographical location. It can and it should in in a, in a local in a local manifestation, but more importantly, it's speaking of a heart attitude. Mm. And if if for instance there are there are believers and God bless them, and I know that they are wanting to do the right thing if they could understand it as such. And their position is is that. Because of issues, because of maybe, in this case, presently, it's a pandemic virus, but it could be, in a future setting, another issue that would say that as Christians, you need to limit your exposure, your involvement, your you know, propagation of truth, as you were talking earlier, and we can touch on this, you know, truth had fallen in the street, you know, where people could not discern mm. or be able to um, rightly interpret what's going on because there's no more absolute of divine truth. But that those that, that kind of pull back and it's not that they did that it's not that they abandoned God or disbelieve God, but just like in John chapter six, and Jesus Christ has this following of disciples, and he makes this statement to them. He says, Unless you drink my blood, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you are not partakers of me. Now that's not a salvation 
uh, message. That is a fellowship, a continuating in fellowship invitation. Jesus Christ was saying, I want you to go beyond just identifying with the crowd or identifying with the miracles. I want you to identify with me. Be a partaker of my life. And in the reality of that, then to continue in that life. And it says that some of the disciples said, this is a hard saying. I, you know, like I don't, uh, you know, how do I process this? Well, many times, you know, the word of God comes and I don't, you know, how do I process this? But I don't process it to my understanding. I realize I need to follow the one as Peter would go on to say later on in that same chapter, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. Now, you know what it means? It just I, the stuff that I don't understand God is doing in my life. He's doing in the world. Seems like the world is upside down. Problems are arising. And who has the answer? I don't know naturally. But I'm drawn to the one who has eternal words. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. So there were those disciples who stopped following Jesus Christ, the living word. Okay. Well, wait a minute. They didn't they didn't go off and dump themselves back into the world. They just didn't follow Jesus Christ to the next place. And I thought that maybe that the falling away wouldn't be a rejection of Christianity or a rejection of Christ, but it would mean that maybe I, I don't follow to the next place. And the reason is, is because that's going to be an identification with all that Christ is and all that he's done, which is the antithetical distinct difference than the world's narrative, the world's priority, even in the realm of religion, as there's the idea that the Antichrist, he's going to need this unification amongst religions in order for him to operate and to carry out his plans and purposes. So what happens when, you know, the Church of Jesus Christ is distinctly different? And separate and apart, not picking a fight, not looking for an issue, but being who we are. That's distinctive enough. And so to identify with that, it could get you in trouble. And then the question would be, you know, do I, do I want to get into that kind of trouble? Well, I think the time will come. The time has come in many parts of the world where those who believe they can lose their job, their families could be persecuted. They could even face physical death. But here in the West, I mean, you know, we've been accepted, but it's becoming progressively more and more unacceptable to be a Bible-believing, Spirit-filled, Word of God-established Christian who doesn't follow along just a denominational line, but follows Jesus Christ to the next place of faith wherever that would lead, but I'm going to follow the one who has the words of eternal life. Wow, that's amazing, Pastor Wright. Uh, just listening to you talk and 
and kind of uh, share the environment that we can see as we turn on our TVs or on the internet, on the radio, we can just hear just the climate is changing. And I love this point that you brought out, the falling away, not following to the next point. I, I think that's a really a good way of putting it because, you know, for whatever reason, right, people either have a fear or they kind of mark the line that says, okay, God, I'm following you just to this particular place, and then that's it. If you take me beyond that, I'm not going to follow, right? Mm. <laughs> it reminds me of an interesting illustration. Um, Francis Chan gave this illustration about a man um, on a on a balance beam, and he kind of like showed – you know, in seasons of our life, you know, just like a young person would get on a balance beam and they just jump up on the beam and they're walking, they're learning how to balance and they're moving and they're, there's got a lot of spring in their step. And as as you progress, kind of showing as you get older, maybe you're a little bit more attentive to where your feet are going and um, <laughs> yeah. trying to keep your balance without falling off the thing. And um, but then he made this really interesting uh, analogy near the end of your life or in a fearful circumstance, maybe someone would lay down on the beam and hug the beam and inch their way forward. And granted, this beam is maybe just a couple of feet off the ground, but this person is petrified and they're holding onto that beam rather than standing and bouncing with balance. Now they're hugging it and being petrified. And and I just thought of that when you said a falling away, because um, you know that's what fear does. Fear makes our world very small, wouldn't you say? And it just makes it very much like you know, like we said earlier in another podcast, playing it safe. You know, risk wow. management, mm. risk management. How much is this going to cost me? Well, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship, said it's going to cost you your life. And I think you touched on it. We have to process those things, not in a martyrdom kind of complex or anything like that, but we have to process this this place in our minds. It says, okay, Lord, will we follow you? And Lord willing, we will. Or are we going to hold on to the balance beam, hugging it with our chin on it? <laughs> Kind of inching like an inchworm. Wow, that's not a way to live. That right? is not a way to live. And you know, and the and the fear, the fear index today. You know, uh, you know, September eighth, two thousand twenty. The fear index is so high that people are, you know, they they don't know what to trust. But the thing that you know we understand is that. Perfect love or, or a mature love, the agape love of God, dispels, displaces this fear. Now, yeah, there's enough for me to look on the, you know, the, the horizon of, the, of this world and say, like, there's a lot of things that are uncertain, unsure, and undefined, and I'm afraid. <laughs> and, and the tendency is, like, when we get along in our age, we kind of think, like, I want to play it safe, you know? I don't want to lose what I've got. Well, Guess what? Up front, this is the, the, the premise of Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I am, present active participle, crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Now, what is the point of a believer understanding his co-crucifixion with life? Um, is that if he's lost his life, he's got nothing to keep. Hmm. 
He's got nothing to be afraid of losing. What would it be if a man were to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So I think the thing that is so vital for us is to realize we're not here to gain what this world has. I think it's, uh, I think it's either 1 Corinthians 9 or 2 Corinthians 9 where it talks about how we are to use this world but not abuse it. Mm -hmm. And that word abuse in the Greek speaks of overuse or now I become identified with what I have rather than who I'm with in Christ. And that's, that's an occupational hazard. That's why I need not only the good news of the gospel, but I need a manifestation of the cross of Jesus Christ every day. So I know that I am separated and I'm, I'm set apart from this world to minister to it, but not to become like it or attached to it. Wow. I mean, you said a lot in those statements there. I think that we have to almost, like you said, lay down our life and have the exchange life. Okay, Lord, I give you my dreams or my worries or my thoughts, and you give me your thoughts mm -hmm. and your ways. And um, and then we're able to really exchange and, and embrace that cross. I think in the Christian life, we can we can move towards the cross, which is full of suffering, trials, pain, troubles, persecutions. But once you go through the cross, and that means a total surrender, you're on the other side of the cross, which is victory, power, resurrection, life. And so, you know, earlier you talked about the falling away or the great fallout. I mean, I think we're seeing that in a great way. And, um, you know, maybe talk to the believer today that's maybe a little bit, there's, there's fear, imbalance, uncertainty, the unknowns, and they're wondering, like, like Proverbs 24.10, here's a good verse. He that shrinks back in the day of adversity, their, their strength is small. Now, we can relate to that verse. Of course, we don't, we're not praying for trouble. But if you don't have trouble, you're already in trouble, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, because if you're going in the way of God, you're piercing the darkness. You're, you're like the salmon going upstream. Uh, what, what would you say to the person that's just kind of in their mind, just going back and forth and looking ahead and saying, well, I got more questions than answers here? You know, it's interesting that that issue of questions and not having the answers, okay? And let's back it up a bit because, you know, faith comes by hearing. You know, Romans 10, 17, not by knowledge, not by information. And if I find that my strength is small in the, in the details, so let's say just even in the domestic scene, I'm struggling because of, I worry about my finances. Well, you know, the Bible tells me to take no thought for what you wear or take no thought for what you eat. And I say like, that's, well, like, how can I follow that, Lord? Well, again, do I see my provision in Jesus Christ or do I see my provision in myself? Now, I'm not suggesting that somebody just, you know, is a freelancer, freeloader and doesn't, you know, doesn't work. The, the man that does not work should not eat. But what we're saying is that uh, I, by working two jobs or three jobs and at the sacrifice of fellowship and communing in the word, then that's a bad bargain. Mm -hmm. That's just a bad bargain. 
But it might be that I'm anxious about finances and I'm anxious about money, but what do I want for my security? Well, I want it so that the Word of God dwells richly mm. in my heart. And that takes me beyond what I presently may know. We said something interesting in the, in the lunch wrap uh, pertaining to sharpness. You know, iron sharpens iron, so does the countenance of a friend and, and the need to be assembled together, the need to be under the teaching of the Word of God. And when that takes place, then I, I move from maybe a state of dullness. But, you know, I don't know that I'm dull. I don't realize that I'm dull until maybe like I get into a situation and uh, I'm not precise. Mm -hmm. You know, I got general, I got gray areas, you know, and I, I you know, so things are uncertain when things are gray. Mm -hmm. But in light, the word of God says we get what? More light so that we can see precisely what what our steps are to be. The, ma the good man's steps are what? Ordered by the word and ordered by the Lord. So. I would say that the more more readily I want to draw near. I want to take a Bible class, not because I think I got a ministry to prepare for, but because I want to be able to think with God. Mm. And in my marriage, in my finances, in the details of life, in what's happening, you know, internationally, I want to have the thinking of God, the mind of God, and that will give me the steps of God in this uncertain time. You know, you said something really key here. I think... Um, when you study the Bible to know God, mm. God gives you a message. But if you study the Bible to get a message, you might not always get a message. Yes, <laughs> that's correct. You know, it's the same thing in our practical life. Like you mentioned finances, you mentioned family life. If I study to know God, God will give me what I need for my family, for my uh, finances. And you can have scarcity thinking, which is like, or abundant thinking. Scarcity thinking is... Boy, what I have is not enough. I'm not even enjoying what I have. I have to have more lest I lose it, right? Where abundant thinking is maybe I have less, but I'm enjoying it because it's from the hand of God. In Philippians 4.19, I recognize it's his provision. And then I enjoy even the least of it. But here's a good verse, and I don't, I don't know if you want to comment on it, but um, 2 Timothy 2.12. And I always think about this in our possessions. Uh, you mentioned drawing near... Um, I think our possessions can possess us. So many will work extra hours to keep what they have. But I think, you know, you know, traveling light in these days is so wise uh, so that we hold on loosely on to our possessions and we have time for those things that really matter. And that's our families, our, our callings. But in 2.12, it says, For this cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless... I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And I, in these end days, you know, if God provides it or if we surrender what we have to God, he guards it. Mm. My car, my house, my health, my family, my stuff, like, okay, Lord, I want to honor you in my stuff so that my possessions don't possess me, but instead they're tools to minister the gospel. They're tools uh, for to glorify God. And if they were taken away, 
then that means something better will come um, or there's a maturity factor being worked in. But what do you think that means to commit those things unto him, to put him, put our stuff in his hands, especially in these last days where there is a falling away because maybe there's not enough time for God or maybe decisions lead us away from God. But when we put our stuff, we put our whole self, <laughs> reminds of another analogy, you know, there's a guy passing around, you know, the usher there in the church passing around a, um, you know, the offering basket and people are putting their stuff in the offering basket. And, but, but the one parishioner, he puts the offering basket on the ground. He puts his, he steps into it. So I'm going to give my whole self. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know. Just kind of a, a goofy thing there. But what would you say to that, Pastor? Well, you know, we, you said it, our possessions need not possess us. But if we understood why we uh, pursue some of these things is that um, we live in a world system that is operative on the temporal value system. And so it inadvertently gets us to be consuming oriented. We want to possess these things and so we pursue them. But that verse that I, I mentioned in, uh, is actually is 1 Corinthians 7 and uh, verse 30. And the B part uh, says it like this and, and says, And they that buy as though they possess not. Now, how do you do that? How do you buy and possess not? Well, you just realize that it's only, it's a means, it's not the end. It's not my identity. It's, it's, a, it's a tool, and, uh, and that's important, and I need that. You know, we need transportation. You know, I was thinking logistically, if I didn't have a vehicle and, you know, a car, and then it wasn't a highway, then work, you know, ministering up in Habit of Grace is like, it, it wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. okay? But it does happen because we have those things in place. But notice what he says in verse 31, and he says, And they that use this world, or the things of this world and not abusing it okay for the fashion of the world is going to pass away but then he says in verse 32 but i would that you would be without anxiety mm -hmm. wow so can i uh, you know can i get something use something and then leave something and i'm okay then that's good mm -hmm. but if i get something and i have something and I'm going to clutch onto that something, then, uh, you know, I'm, it, it's not serving the purpose for which I have it. It's only serving me. Yeah. And that's too small. That's a great, that's a great litmus test for a relationship too, right? Yes. If I need a relationship, like if I really need, then maybe I'm, I should not have one. Mm -hmm. But if I don't need it, if I'm content where I'm at, then then I'm potentially in a good place to be a good steward of a relationship. Well, you know, that's amazing. I, huh. God got me to that place, okay? And, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm moving about, you know, and I'm saying, gosh, you know, Lord, I think I need to be married, okay? And uh, so then the question came, you know, like, well, what if the Lord didn't want you to be married? Oh, no, no, it can't be that. that, that <laughs> that's not even on the table, the eunuch, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, nah, oh, not over here. No, but the, the, the nine yards of it was that God got me to the place where, okay, if I get married, that's okay. If I don't get married, that's okay.
okay. And then there was this long pregnant pause after that, you know, because I didn't know what was going to happen after that. <laughs> and two weeks later, my future wife kind of introduced herself to me. And and I thought, really? You know, like, I didn't think it was her. But in, in any case, it was so relaxed, the, you know, like, I wasn't like, oh, yes, you know, it's like this. I got to hold and protect and make sure this happens. It was just like, hey, how are you? Okay, see you later. Yeah. How many years ago was that now? That was 42 years no. ago. No. Wow. 42 years ago. 42 years. If Left need... up to me, I would have made the wrong choice. <laughs> yeah. Boy, if you need any relationship counseling or advice, <laughs> Pastor Wright is the man. It's been great having you, Pastor Thank Wright. You. I mean, there's so much we could say mm. today that we, and we've also said a lot today. And just want to reiterate, he's on Periscope at uh, the Grace Cafe, hashtag Grace Cafe. Mm -hmm. Also on Facebook, um, the GG of the Chesapeake. He's got a beautiful church in Habit of Grace. He's an elder here at Greater Grace as well, personal friend. Uh, I always call you the Grace Man because I've always seen you in different circumstances and in the pressure cooker, uh, on the wings of an eagle, you're, you're the same. You just have God's mind, God's spirit. And you mentioned anxiety. And I just want to say like, you know, stress is that pressure that comes against us, that uncontrollable thing. And as we try to control the uncontrollable, that's when we internalize and be, and have the mood of anxiety that can really disrupt our emotions. So today, put it all in the hands of God and draw near, and don't hug the don't hug the balance beam. Get off the balance beam. Get back up on your feet. Uh, regain your balance by your eyes looking ahead. That's how you gain your balance. You don't look at your feet. Mm. You look ahead. You look at where you're going and knowing that God is already there waiting for you. And that's where you balance your balance forward on the balance beam. So, Pastor Ray, great to have you today. We love you. And any last words, last thoughts well, here? Just, Pastor, thank you for even doing these podcasts and just allowing you know, your life, your portion and inviting others in because this is this is what it is, is that I hear things that come to my rescue. I mean, it's the word of God that will come to my rescue when I don't know what I'm doing, when I haven't figured it out and I'm full of anxiety and worry. And then I get a promise and the promise says, yes, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all of your ways, Al, yeah, all of the ways, acknowledge him. He will direct our path. So, amen. Yeah, amen. All right, very good. Thanks so much for listening, and have a blessed day. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Your feedback is always welcome. Mm -hmm.